Hi, hello, and welcome to this week's Billy Life Friday, or maybe you're listening to this on the Body I Love You podcast. Either way, I'm so grateful to get to kick it with you energetically for 30 minutes to an hour, depending on how long I decide to speak today. My name is Sydney Robolata, for those of you who don't know. I am the owner and co-creator of Body I Love You, Billy for short, which is the six-week course as well as extended community that literally teaches you how to love yourself unconditionally, without condition. Such a powerful tool and skill to learn. The topic that I feel so excited to bring to you all today um, is a topic that I was first introduced to in therapy. Um, Having said that, I am not a therapist. Uh, I am a life coach. I am not a trained therapist. Um, And this is such an accessible technique for so many people to just kind of experiment with. So I just kind of want to introduce parts of reparenting that have wildly changed my brain and my relationship with my body and the way that I speak to myself. Um, And I, I really hope that you guys find this valuable. So when we talk about reparenting, what we're referring to here is any, so when you would use this tool is anytime you notice that you have that voice in your brain of just like criticism. Um, anytime you notice that you're critical of yourself, anytime you notice your validation or you're just feeling like really judgy, this is a tool that you are going to use in those instances. And I think one of the reasons why this tool is so valuable is because, I don't know, back when I used to just kind of think disempowering things about myself and other people, I just kind of chalked it up to like, this is just who I am, or like, oh, I'm such a bitch in my brain, or like, God, I'm such a mess, or whatever. And this tool really allows you to kind of distance yourself from the shame of all of those beliefs and truly, truly create beliefs that actually serve you. I'd say this tool is like parallel to the second thought exercise. For anyone who hasn't listened to that, I recommend you go back and and, and have a listen. But when it comes to these instances, so usually it's predictable that this voice shows up when you're looking at yourself in the mirror in the morning or when you're like anytime you like pass your reflection or anytime you feel self-conscious about yourself. So usually when it comes to these beliefs, we kind of hear them and they feel awful. So we try to do our best to either like reject them, like we just want that voice to go away, or it's so internalized because we're so used to it because we've been practicing those disempowering beliefs for like, you know, literal decades. So something that I view as, you know what, I was actually doing a little bit of research before this and I came across a tip before we even dive in that's really valuable. Step one when it comes to reparenting is just to breathe, (laughs) just to take a breath. Because we're getting into your brain, we're getting into your history, we're getting into like the future that you want to create. Reparenting is not something that like you're going to practice it today and it's going to change your life tomorrow. It it isn't even something that like, you know, a couple weeks from now, you're just going to be a a wildly different person. This is a process that you get to practice for the rest of your life. And just like anything else, please don't 
do the thing that you do where you dive headfirst into something new because it feels like new and cool and you're hoping that it's going to be the thing that fixes you. And then you overdo it. And after like a week or two, you just totally burn yourself out. And then you're going back to the same disempowering patterns and thoughts that you had before. Take your time with this. This is a process. You do not want to burn yourself out from this. Um, If ever this work seems like exhausting or burdensome, then like you just don't need to do it that day. We really want to build trust and like momentum and consistency when it comes to thought work and, and tools and activities like this. So go ahead and just take a deep breath. I'll do it with you guys. How cool is breathing, by the way? So cool. Highly recommend. So one of the things that I like to do when it comes to these voices is I ask myself, whose voice is that actually? And uh, I want to call myself out. Anytime I ask a client this question, it's rhetorical, which I'm actually not big on rhetorical questions. My questions usually stem from pure curiosity. But this one's rhetorical. I I know, I know, I don't know. I know who the voice isn't. The voice is not yours. And I've had some clients that like actually have a hard time with that because usually when we go down this rabbit hole, it's, you know, it's it's not rare for us to come across uh, someone who will, sorry, I'm just looking to see if anyone's hopping in my live. It's not rare for us to come across someone who's like, oh, yeah, for sure, that's my mom's voice. She used to say that to me all the time. And so, like, that now that voice is in my brain, and that's just, like, how I operate now. That's not rare to come by examples like that. And sometimes it's a bit more abstract. Sometimes it's it's not like, you know, no one actually said that to me. I think that that's just kind of a voice that I developed over time, so it's my voice. And I actually want to push back a little bit and offer different perspectives of like where this voice actually truly does come from. So again, usually, predictably, it is the voice of like whoever raised you, like your guardian, mom, dad, grandma. I hear grandma a lot. Grandma's just out here fucking people's brains up, love them to death. But yeah, sometimes when um, people who are unhealed and hurt, they tend to project the same ideals that they are unhealed and hurt by to subconsciously or consciously uh, inflict the same pain that they had to endure throughout their lives. So it's super common for this to be the voice of somebody who who raised you. It is also very predictably a manifestation of an accumulation of teachings from your community. So that could mean your religion. I've heard so many people who like are really committed to, you know, having a religious practice and they're super aware that the religion that they were taught growing up had lots of disempowering things that they're no longer committed to believing Um, and just really wanting to like generate their own relationship with their higher power. So, so many messages that we receive through organized religion are stemmed in like purity culture. So I've, I've coached so many people who, women specifically, who are trained to believe that like their bodies are gross um, or that they're, you know, inherently sinners if they have sexual feelings um, where women are often viewed that they are kind of secondhand or secondary in comparison to men. There are so many 
religious views that have led to women feeling disconnected and not just disconnected, but truly, truly feeling ashamed and shameful when it comes to their bodies. Of course, this is not the message from all organized religion. I'm not I'm not coming for anyone in their beliefs, but I've heard some horror stories of what women were trained to believe about their bodies growing up. And it's taken a lot of work to deprogram those beliefs from their brain. So um, if you were raised in a religious community, you guys, you better believe that that's had an impact on the way that you view yourself and the way that you view your body. Also, another um, community that I may be referring to is like your cultural community. We've had so many different like cultural differences when it comes to like how you eat food or what beauty standards are or what gender roles are in your culture. And um, for some people, you kind of grow up and realize like, huh, that's actually not how everyone lives their lives. That's a very specific belief that I grew up with my family. And uh, that actually feels awful. And I don't want to believe that anymore. So you can actually create something different. So maybe if you were raised in a specific culture with specific expectations, that is going to take some work to deprogram from your brain as well. Also, another example of community is like hobbies or passions. Um, And an example that comes up a lot is women who were raised as dancers. I just totally felt all the dancers listening to this. I'm like, oh my God, thank God, thank God she said something and holy shit, I don't feel crazy. I I grew up with dancers without necessarily really being a dancer myself and the body dysmorphia and the way that they view their bodies and the very casual, praised, disordered eating that's expected from these, from these women and girls, um, exercise regimes, just like it's, it can be such a toxic environment. So yeah, guys, you better believe that you dancing your little heart out in sixth grade, led by adults who had very tainted and just fucked up and skewed visions of like how you should be as a dancer, how you should be as a as an athlete. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna fuck you up. That's gonna take some work to deprogramming that stuff. And of course, I speak to this all the time because I literally have to, because it's literally everywhere, but an accumulation of beliefs from the water in which we swim. Um, For anyone who doesn't know about the water in which we swim, that was a podcast episode a while back. Uh, I highly recommend you listen to it. But when I say the water in which we swim, I'm referring to um, the community, the, the society that we were all raised in. We were raised in a patriarchy we were we were raised and just look around all of us look at the movies you watch the shows you watch the music you listen to um just truly how we live our lives our understanding of gender norms our understanding of like expectations um stigmas beauty and body standards all of these are made up things that for us are so true and real because we grew up with it it's just it's it was around us all the time it's it's what we were trained that we are supposed to do So this voice is not yours. It could be an accumulation of being a product of your environment or religion or culture or hobbies or, you know, direct impact from from mom and dad or whoever raised you. This voice is not yours. You were taught or trained this voice over time. And I say that to you and I hope that that is a relief because when you're able to distance yourself from that belief, you're actually able to challenge its validity immediately. 
I know what it's like to exist in a body and to have strong opinions about that body and for those opinions to feel like factual truth. And I'm here to tell you that none of it is. I've said this before. I'll say it however many times I need to. Our bodies are a neutral thing. They are a neutral circumstance on this planet. They are not good. They are not bad. They exist. Their job is to exist. When it comes to this goodness or badness perspective, that is something that we are trained and taught to believe in our brains. None of this is fact or law. These are just the kind of uh, stigmas and expectations that we were trained into. So again, this voice is not yours. And very often this voice stems from trauma at some point in time. And I mean capital T trauma as well as little t trauma, as, as people say. And when I say little t trauma, I mean sometimes the word trauma I think can, can seem so big and we're familiar with so many other people's stories and all the trauma that other people have endured throughout their lives. So we tend to minimize our own stories of like, well, that wasn't trauma. And like it was, and it's okay if it was. Like trauma, trauma impacts the body and the brain we we have all experienced trauma to some degree for sure at some point in our lives so uh, this is where we're stemming this stuff back from and i noticed that i've encountered several people who they almost feel silly of like okay i'm in my 50s now and i'm constantly in my brain around an insecurity about something that happened when i was seven and the answer is yes, that's exactly, that's exactly what's happening. You have such an impressionable brain at the age of seven. You better believe that the things that you are learning and surrounding yourself with or are surrounded by at the age of seven are going to impact you and your beliefs for the rest of your life. That is how brains work. So I really like to, and I want to just kind of lay out some examples to make this a bit less abstract. I don't know about you guys. My brain really appreciates examples when it comes to stuff like this. I was um, co-hosting a group a couple weeks ago and this, this woman came with this example of how when she was roughly seven or eight, uh, she was in elementary school and they did that thing. Do you guys remember this? Where they would literally weigh you in front of your entire class and like, first of all, why did they do that? Second of all, like I remember being so young and stepping on a scale and like being so embarrassed that other people were going to see that number, which speaks volumes about the water in which we swim and diet culture and body and beauty expectations for sure. But um, this woman in particular, they created like a whole like report card around uh, like physicality and, and her weight and stuff. And when it came to them putting her weight on this sheet of paper, again, she's roughly seven or eight years old. They like circled and underlined it a bunch of times and they made a note about it saying like, your daughter is overweight. You need to, you need to watch this. This is a, this could be dangerous for her. Just like putting so much shame around this eight year old's weight and planting concern in the brain of her parents when they, they weren't concerned before that. So when it comes to that incident, that happened when she was eight years old, it would make all the sense in the world for her to develop beliefs, whether it's like right then and there slash like over time, beliefs around like that she should be hiding her body or that like her body and her weight are like mortifying and not ideal. 
because she remembers how embarrassed she felt when she first of all like read her heard her weight out loud as well as like saw it on this report card she remembers feeling so embarrassed so she's led to believe that like her body's mortifying and and not ideal that she's also led to believe that like her body is of concern that like people it's it's justifiable for people to be concerned about her body and not only that but like it's it's in her best interest for her health and what a what a mind fuck what a way to like successfully gaslight yourself for for life of like anytime you feel shame to be able to justify it of like oh well they care that's fucked up you guys it would make all the sense in the world if this woman got into the habit of hiding her body underneath like baggy clothing no diss against baggy clothing in any way shape or form but if it's coming from a disempowered place of wanting to to hide yourself again that's justified and is that where you want to live your life for the rest of your life it'd make all the sense in the world for this woman to get into habits of disordered eating because she is so aware of her weight and so aware that like her weight is something that people care about and focus on and it needs to be less than what it is another example is um i have curly hair very curly hair i did not embrace my curls for a majority of my life up until this point. I think I just started embracing my curls maybe like a a little over a year ago. And I was, I've just been really kind of sitting with it and thinking like, what is that all about? Like, why did I, I remember I would never, ever, you wouldn't catch me dead wearing my hair curly in school, like going to high school. Um, Even if I like wanted to, I remember one day I was like, yeah, I want to, like, be chill. Like, I think I, like, won't wear makeup. Like, just have, like, a chill, like, sweats day and, like, go to school. And even so, I, like, woke up early and, like, did my hair, blow-dried it, straightened it, then curled it. That's what I used to do to it all the time. Um, I just, like, refused to let anyone see my hair. I just thought it was a shit show. That was literally my view of my hair is that it was a mess. And a a core memory that I'm able to kind of stem back from that is I remember when I was in early high school and I was at the beach with my friends and we went in the water and obviously salt water, uh, you know, is going to make those curls pop in. So my friends were my friends were like, oh, my God, your hair is so curly. Why do you never wear it like this? And so even just that question was like, oh, wait, they they think it's cute. That's cute. And I, I instantly my first thing that I did I literally remember pulling out my cell phone and I texted probably like a dozen guys um guys like around my age who I like cared about their opinions and I I almost threw it out like I was just like taking a simple survey question and I sent them the text hey this is so random but um I'm wondering if you have a preference between curly hair and straight hair and every single a vast majority of them said straight. I think like one or two of them probably said, you know, somewhere in between, maybe like wavy, like light waves. And nobody said curly. And so I literally took that information of like, okay, so curly hair is not desirable. And when I was that age, I literally thought that it was my job, that it was my value to be desired. Therefore, curly hair isn't the thing. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to rock the curly hair because I, I won't be valuable if I'm walking around with curly hair. Isn't that wild, you guys? I think it was like 14 or 15 when that happened. 
So that's another example of, you know, stuff that happens to you as a kid and how that impacts you as an adult. And I'm 31, you guys. I just started Rock and Curls last year. And now I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? But yeah, fully convinced that it just wasn't the thing. I even told myself like, oh, yeah, it's just it's such a it's such a mess. It's such like a it's such a job to rock curls. But like here I am blow drying my hair and then straightening it and then curling it. And now I literally just get to like hop out of the shower and scrunch it a bit and we're we're golden. The lies we tell ourselves. Another example that I think of a lot is um, like the the flat tummy epidemic in the early 2000s where like we were never told like if you don't have a flat tummy, fuck you. But we were told that like, hey, this is what is desirable. I'm, I'm in my brain going through images of Christine Aguilera, Britney Spears, Lindsay Lohan, Paris Hilton, like all of the girls who would wear like the very low rise jeans where you could see their hip bones popping out. And there was just like no fat on their stomachs. And if there was, you better believe that fat was commented on. Is that something that happened to me directly? No, it's not. This is me like witnessing celebrities going through their things. But did that instance directly teach me that you are desirable only if you have a flat tummy and if you don't, that's embarrassing and deserves to be commented on and it's mortifying if you have fat on your stomach? For sure. I for sure internalized that stuff. And it would make all the sense in the world if having those beliefs growing up led to, again, disordered eating or eating disorders or having um, a really fucked up relationship with like exercising or even like judging others for not being able to like pull things off. Like how often are you walking around public and you see people like rocking outfits, like just existing, living their lives and you have that judgment in your brain of like, oof, she cannot pull that off. That's trauma, you guys. That is, um, that's not your voice. That is, that is a, a trauma response. That is how you know to, to fit in because you just have this kind of want and need to be desired, which is so human and normal. And yeah, if you're walking around judging other people in that way as you kind of bop around this planet, that is, that's, that's trauma that you learned over time. So step one, when it comes to this, I don't want to instantly get into like a, okay, these thoughts suck. Let's create other thoughts of reparenting. The step before that, that I think is so important is to really create like gratitude for that initial thought, which sounds so weird, but let me explain myself. When it comes to those thoughts, I've, I talk about this a lot on this podcast as well, but I think, you know, repetition matters and I need to hear things like 32 times before it actually sticks in my brain. But humans are an extremely pack oriented species. We feel safer in a pack. So much so that individualism seems almost dangerous because when we have beliefs that are different from our community or our pack, we're kind of, you know, cast out of the pack, be it like physically or emotionally. And that makes us quote unquote, like vulnerable to predators. (laughs) I'm, I'm really talking about this like pack mentality. So sometimes we will dim our light or uh, lessen our individuality in an attempt to feel like we belong. So when it comes to like the being overweight, she felt like she didn't belong in her pack. She felt unconcerned, sorry, she felt of concern 
when she was a child and she was being pointed out for her weight because her classmates around her weren't being pointed out for their weight. So she felt alone and vulnerable and all she wanted was to feel like normal and like she belonged. So the easiest way to do that, the, the, the quote unquote fix to that problem is for her to lose weight so that she's not getting those comments anymore, right? When in actuality, we're able to hear that like the wounding is from our society and girlfriend was just fine, just rocking around in her eight-year-old body, just existing. Even um, feeling grateful for like, you know, it, it shows up all the time when I wear something tight where I'm super aware of my stomach. Of any time I wear something tight, I'll see my stomach. And my first thought is like, I'll probably subconsciously like suck in. Like I don't even know that I'm doing it, but I just kind of do it. And I will instantly, like the thought will cross my brain of like, I, I probably shouldn't be wearing this. Like I probably don't have the body to wear this because of what I was trained in the early 2000s slash everyday sense that thinner bodies are more desirable. And if you're not desirable, you shouldn't dress like you're wanting to be desirable. Who are you to have the audacity to like dress in a sexy way? Cause there's no way you could be sexy if you're not thin. So all of this is around wanting to feel desirable and connected and like you belong. And you know, where there's so many needs that we need to have met within our community. So, so often we're just kind of going back on whatever feels like our true form of ourselves because sometimes belonging just feels more important. So these voices though can be very cruel. Their intention is to keep you connected. Their intention is to, is to keep you in a community, is to protect you. The intention of this voice actually loves you a lot and just wants you to feel like you're normal and like you belong and like you fit in. So I know that when I like gained more awareness around this voice, it was almost kind of my first instinct to like, uh, ugh, I'm having that thought again. Fuck that thought. I hate that thought. I'm not going to think that anymore. La, 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 la. Like just kind of like trying to ignore it. When in actuality, it's super important to just like acknowledge like, whoa, my brain is trying really hard to make me feel safe right now. And um, this is this is not the safety that we're looking for anymore. So thank you to that thought. Thank you for loving me so much and wanting me to feel safe and stay alive, essentially. Um, but this is this is not the feeling or this is not the sentiment that I'm committed to believing moving forward. Also, just really like honoring your feelings. Being human is hard enough as it is with like the spectrum of all the different emotions that we feel on a day-to-day -day basis. Adding shame on top of whatever that emotion is like triples the load, you guys. Whatever emotion you're feeling, it's not a bad thing. You're a human. We literally can't experience joy without grief. We can't experience the good things in life without experiencing the things that are uncomfortable and borderline excruciating. Like we have to experience mundane days. We have to experience pain in order to truly be able to experience the magic and the, the beautiful things in life. I'm so sorry that that's the case, but that's just literally what it means to be a human being. So practice really honor honoring your feelings. If you're having a day that you're just like really butting heads with your body or you just like really don't feel confident or even like content in your body honoring that emotion of like ugh, i just feel 
not good right now. I feel, I feel just rejected or I'm rejecting myself. I feel sad. I feel angry. Whatever those emotions are, honor them. They need to be felt because they're just going to disappear if you don't feel them, guys. That's just, that's not how feelings work, unfortunately. We tend to really just kind of shove those feelings down. And again, that doesn't mean that they're going to just be shoved down and kind of like disintegrate over time. They're going to show up in other ways in the future, whether you like it or not. That is how humans work. So don't forget to honor your feelings, whatever those may be. So now we're getting into the reparenting, the actual reparenting side of things. This is where this is where it gets fun. So when it comes to whatever your disempowering belief is, we'll call it, again, the the one of the first steps is to distinguish whose voice is that actually. And I like that step just to kind of disconnect yourself from that voice a little bit of like, oh shit, that's actually not my voice. I learned that growing up a dancer, or I learned that from grandma or I learned that just, um, you know, because I was obsessed with MTV growing up or I don't know, whatever, whatever your thing was. And what we're doing now is in our brains today, taking on the role of a concerned and trustworthy parent. Because when we go back to these instances of where these voices actually originated from, they're in your like childhood self, there was a need within you that wasn't or didn't get met. So it is a focus of reparenting to like, how can we work things or shift things so that we actually are getting that need met rather than however it wasn't met when we were growing up, right? So my need when I was, you know, texting all these bros in my phone, trying to seek validation um, to feel beautiful in my curly hair, the need that I had at that time was feeling beautiful, was feeling confident, um, was feeling like worthy of love in my authentic self. And rather, I just, you know, kind of asked an open-ended question and what I got in return was honest answers, which is totally fine. I'm not even bagging on these guys' preferences. You're allowed to prefer straight hair. That's totally fine. But that doesn't mean that I need to change myself for somebody else's preferences. So the need that I wasn't getting met at that time was like I, I, I needed to feel like I belonged and I needed to feel like I was worthy of love and attention. And that's just not a need that was met during that time. And for all the, for all the moms or parents or I don't know, this is actually for everyone. We, we all every day probably for our entire lives will have needs that aren't being met. Like it's actually impossible to be a parent who meets all of your child's needs. That is an impossible task. You will fail. Please don't beat yourself up for that. Again, that's what it means to be humans. You're not a superhuman freak of nature who's capable of meeting all your kids' needs, all your needs. Because let's be honest, in order to meet all your kids' needs, you got to meet all your needs as well. Because if you're not sourced, you're not properly sourcing your kids. It's just, like I said, it's, a, it's, an, impossible, it's an impossible task. So it's really valuable to be able to ask yourself today, what need do I have that is not 
being met. Let's say that I am having like an off day with my curls. They're just driving me crazy. And I just, I, I have moments like that for sure. Well, I'll just look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, I'm just fucking sick of my hair. I'm just so sick of like staring at curly hair. How annoying. And the need that I have in that moment, truthfully, is probably to like not be in front of a mirror for a bit. I, I, think, I think mirror work is actually really potent and important. But like for me, I notice I have mirrors all around my house. And I think of instances where like maybe I'll go like camping or something. And I won't be around a mirror for like three days. And my relationship with my appearance and what I look like is wildly different than when I'm walking around my house. And there's, look, there's a mirror right there, right behind me. And right there, and right there. Just like walking around my house in front of mirrors all day. I'm not sick of my curly hair because my curly hair is bad. I think I, you do, it's, it is such a valuable question to be like, well, what am I actually sick of? I'm probably just sick of staring at my own mug all the time because there's so many other things that I could be looking at on this planet. As beautiful and as glorious as I am, okay? There are just like, there are more important things in life than just like staring in a mirror. So what is the need that you had as a child? My need was needing that validation to feel like I belonged. So the next question when it comes to reparenting is how can I meet that need today? Or again, I want to say, how can I take on the role of a concerned and truly trustworthy parent in this moment? I've seen so many beautiful examples of this uh, throughout my coaching. There's one example that I want to throw out just because I thought that this client's body language was so interesting and it was so intuitive as, as we were kind of going through this process. But um, when it came to her parent, her like her cool, concerned, trustworthy parent in her brain, anytime she spoke through that voice, I noticed she would just with one of her shoulders just kind of do like this nudge. Um, like she would like raise her shoulder, just one of them to her ear of just, and her, her kind of reparenting thoughts were like, I think we were talking about um, like cleaning her house before company comes over or something. And anytime she was reparenting herself, it would just be like a throwaway comment of like, they don't care. They don't, they don't care. They don't care if, if your bedroom is vacuumed. They don't care, you know, if <laughs> they don't care if like there's a dish in the sink, like they don't care. And it was such a, I, it was such a cool place to look. And I loved that I was able to like watch her as we were doing this activity. Cause I was like, do you notice every time you speak in your reparenting voice, you kind of like shrug one shoulder. Like it's just this cool kind of throwaway, like, don't worry about it comment and how much more beautiful and graceful does that sound than the voice that she had prior, which was, oh my God, you have to clean this entire house because if you don't, what are people going to find out about you? They're going to find out that you're not perfect and that you don't have the perfect family and that you don't have your shit together and that's utterly mortifying. So we better deep clean this entire place because we don't want people to think that you are a shit show. We don't want people to like know who you really are. I'm sure you can hear that like, who cares? Nobody cares. Nobody cares if there's a dish in your sink. It's, it's totally fully fine. It, it's, it's like a breath of fresh air. There's, there's something so relieving about it and something so like, oh, oh my God, I don't have to do that anymore. I was talking to another client too who um, he has ADHD 
And he just for the first time, this client is in his 70s. He's so fun to coach. He just for the first time um, is really acknowledging and honoring the fact that he has ADHD and that he has a very special, cool, like super power brain. And one of the things that his brain does is he um, misplaces things all the time, or at least he's convinced himself that he misplaces things all the time. And we were having a conversation when he misplaced his his phone one day and we we're going through it because he had a lot of shame about it. And we we're going through kind of like his internal dialogue of what that sounded like. And what it sounded like was, how could you do this again? I can't believe you misplaced something again. You were a mess. Phones are so expensive. Who do you think you are? You cannot afford to be making mistakes like this. And notice how that sounds like a parent scolding their kid. And he's just like saying this to himself in his brain. Like every day when he's misplacing something, this is his internal dialogue. So it was so interesting and beautiful to be able to ask him the question of like, okay, so by the way, your parents don't suck. Like it's, yeah, if you're a parent and you have a kid who's losing phones all the time, it is a valid emotion for the parent to be frustrated with that. There's nothing wrong with being a frustrated human. And that voice actually isn't serving him more because the shame is almost kind of scaring him into this belief that like I'm this person who's forgetting things all the time. And he's kind of like digging himself deeper into the hole. So when we say like you weren't getting a need met at that time, what is the need that you needed to get met? We're not saying your parents suck and <laughs> fuck them and let's like create new parents in your brain. That's not what we're saying. But we are our own parents now. We, we don't have parents walking around kind of taking care of us or making all of our decisions for us or meeting all of our needs. We're doing that for ourselves now. So what parent would you rather be instead? Like what would actually be empowering or supportive for you when it comes to that instance? And one of the things that we talked about is him just kind of saying like, you always find it. It's always around here somewhere. Like you're going to find it. It's just a phone. There are other phones. It's for sure here somewhere. I, I, I used it this morning. Like, we're going to be totally fine. And think about, like, the difference in parenting. Sitting there being scolded by a parent for, like, how could you do this again? You're so thoughtless and inconsiderate and selfish and all this stuff. To, like, no worries, boyfriend. We'll, we'll find it. Don't fret. It's it's around here somewhere. No no need to, to freak out about things. The fact that we're able to, like, be that new parent for ourselves is truly such a beautiful, beautiful gift. I think of examples too where um, I always throw out a preamble before I talk about my mom because I love her so much and I feel so protective of her and she's a normal human woman who, you know, did and said things to me growing up that impacted my body image, much like her mom did to her and her mom did to her and her mom did to her and forevermore. So, when we were growing up, my my mom got ridiculed for her body when she was younger. She got made fun of um, so hard for being quote unquote overweight. What does that even mean? She just had brothers who were like athletes. So um, she was, yeah, made fun of mostly in, in her own home about her body and her weight. So she's done so much work around this now and it's so cool to see how much she's healed and how much i've healed from all of this but her way of protecting me from growing up wasn't like it wasn't the protection of like screw what other people think it was like let me make it so that 
what I want for you is for no one to comment on your body. So like, let's do the kind of beautiful fit thing. (laughs) So like, you're not bullied. And, um, I would show up in dressing rooms and this didn't even happen a, a crazy amount of times. It was probably just like a few times that this happened, but you know, I would go shopping with my mom growing up and there would be a, a common thing for me is when I would try things on, things would fit, uh, like a shirt would fit everywhere, but it would be tight on my arms. So I was, you know, essentially kind of trained that like my arms were too big and my, even if it wasn't, no, cause I remember there would be like tank top situations. And I think I just, I don't know. I, I was raised to believe that I had like thicker arms and my mom would make comments about that. She'd be like, oh, well, would you just wear like a jacket over that or something? And I would be like, no, wasn't planning on it. But when she's saying those things, um, you know, she is coming from a place of like, oh no, I see fat on my daughter's body. I don't want her to get made fun of. How can we like hide this so that she's more accepted? And mom, if you're listening to this and and you don't like the way that I paraphrase that and you want to change something, let me know and I can and I can fix it. But the need that I had that wasn't being met was like, I just if if I tried on something and if I liked the way that it looked, that was huge for me and my individuality and just my self-esteem in general. So if I liked it, the need that I would love to have been met at that time was like, oh my God, if you love it, slay queen, you look incredible. You look amazing. Love this for you. You look happy in this outfit. Hell yeah. I'm, you know, let's, let's get it versus like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's showing your arms. And I'm just like, yep, it is. Um, what's, what's the problem there? You know what I mean? So that is the instance or instances growing up that have led to insecurities that I still to this day come to the surface from time to time about my arms. So now what is the need that I have that is not being met? Anytime I'm looking at my arms and they look, um, I have judgment that they're like big or not desirable, or I'm not like feminine and petite enough to like have a socially acceptable body. The need that I have is, again, it's it's kind of like the just the acceptance of it all. Like there's actually nothing wrong with my arms. There's nothing wrong at all with my arms. Again, they're they're a neutral circumstance. My arms are just my arms. They exist. So the need that I have, that I would love to get met, is just knowing that that's okay. Not only is that okay, but like it's it's perfect because they're my arms. So they're perfect for me. They're perfect for my body. There's nothing wrong with my arms. And if anyone else says that there's anything wrong with my arms, that's fucking weird. And like, that's that person's shit. You know what I mean? So I'm able to really kind of get into my brain and kind of have those pep talks with myself of like, who gives a shit about your arms? If anyone cares about your arms, that's weird. And that's on that person. I literally view myself as I would talk to like my seven-year-old niece. If she came to me with like a, this boy like made fun of my hair. I'd be like, that boy is weird for commenting on your hair. And I feel sad for how many times somebody commented on his hair enough to tell him that like that's an acceptable thing to do. I feel sorrow for this kid. And this has nothing to do with you. Your hair is fucking stunning. I wouldn't say fucking stunning in front of my seven-year-old niece, but you get the picture. With the example of the girl and the like weight uh, report card, 
we, we did a cool exercise where I had her just kind of pinpoint a child in her life that she loves, um, just like any kid that she cares about. And I think she was envisioning like her, her friend's kid or something. And it was like around the same age range. Uh, this kid was like eight years old. And I was like, okay, so you love this kid. So what would you do if this kid came home and reported to you like, oh my God, my teacher made me feel so embarrassed about my weight today. She read my weight in front of everyone. I like got sent home with this report card. She's telling me that I'm overweight. And like, say this kid was like crying and mortified and like so upset. And I'm just like really kind of going through the, the scenario with her. And I was like, how would you respond? And in that moment, she got so defensive for this kid that she cared a lot about. She's like, first of all, I would fight the teacher. And I was like, um, definitely 100% we're fighting the teacher. <laughs> definitely. Like, what a weird thing. If, if somebody sent a child who I love home with that information, I would be on the phone so fast. I'd be in the car so fast. I would be talking to several people about how that's wild behavior. And that is not okay to talk to anybody like that, let alone a small child. And who the fuck are you to comment on somebody else's weight? That is weird, inappropriate behavior. In no way would that be okay with me. So notice like where this like concerned, trustworthy parent, like she really stepped in and like had that little girl's back so hard, so effortlessly in that moment. And it was so cool to see her kind of stand up to the teacher in that moment. Because when it was her, she literally, like even just her her body language like shrunk. She seemed small as she was recounting the story. And when it was somebody else and when she was in the role of being the trustworthy parental figure, she got big and she got strong and passionate. And she was so clear about what's okay and what's not okay. And she was so clear that the child was not the problem, that the teacher was the problem in that situation. She was so clear about it. So to be able to exercise this muscle in your brain of what it looks like to show up for yourself as a trustworthy, fucking strong mama bear, like would go to war for you in your brain imagine the impact that that has on your self-worth and your body image there's something so healing about that so again i just want to do a brief overview of what this reparenting looks and sounds like first and foremost take a deep breath you do not want to burn out on this work this isn't even going to be, you know, this isn't something that you're going to practice like 12 times a day for the next two months and your life is going to change forever. Don't do that. Don't do the thing that you do where you dive in head first. You will burn out. And then you're just going to go back to all the shit you were doing before. Burnout does not serve you. All of these things are things that we get to practice for life. This is a process. I have been actively working on healing my body image for roughly three years now. And I can say without a shadow of a doubt that I have made monumental strides in self-love and confidence. And that's three years, sis. Like it's, it was a good chunk of change. And I'm not saying three years is the cutoff. Everyone is, everyone's so different with what this looks like for them. 
But my point is, it's a process. Take your time. Do not burn yourself out. Just slowly integrate little minor baby steps into your life to make this work. That is how change occurs. That's how we change our brains. So don't forget to breathe. Second of all, we are going to just really pinpoint whatever the thought is in our brain that we're like, that feels awful. That feels like a bully. That feels very shameful. This thought in my brain is making me feel bad about myself. So rather than pushing that voice away because it feels awful, we're just going to give it a mic for a second. I'm just like, okay, what's what's going on? What is it that you're saying here to me right now? And the voice, you know, as you look in the mirror in the morning says something like, "Ugh, here's this body again. You're never going to, you know, feel confident or desirable with this body because you're too big and you're getting too old and you, you know, need all these things in order to feel desirable and loved or some version of that, whatever your version of that is. So we're going to distinguish what the voice is saying. Then we're going to ask whose voice is that actually? Because it is not yours. I can promise you that folks. It's not your voice. Is it the voice of your parent or guardian? Is it the voice of the community that you grew up with? Is it just the kind of generalized voice of the water in which we swim and the society that you are a product of? Where does that voice actually come from? That step allows you to separate yourself from the belief so that you're no longer like, it's no longer defining who you are as a human being, but rather you're able to acknowledge like, huh, that's a thought that I had that somebody else told me I should have. Interesting. It's not fact or law. It's not actually even a part of me. Cool. The next step, genuinely expressing gratitude for whatever that thought is. Because though execution leaves a lot to be desired, the intention there is to keep you safe and like you feel normal and like you belong and like you are part of a pack where you feel safe and you're just more likely to be, you know, safe. (laughs) Really expressing gratitude for that voice and the intention that it has for you. Really honoring your feelings around it too. Whatever you're feeling, I'm super aware this is easier said than done and this is a muscle to build as well, but eliminating shame, practicing eliminating shame from emotions that don't feel good. Because you're a human. We're just, we feel all the emotions all the time. You're going to feel emotions every single day. Adding shame to it just makes it linger longer and it makes it hurt more. And it's just, it's not a valuable use of your time. So after that, you are going to ask, what is a need that I have right now that isn't being met slash what is the need that I had in that instance when I was younger where I actually learned this belief? What need did I have that wasn't being met? And then you can practice today meeting that need. How would you meet that need if you were to take on the role of the concerned and trustworthy parent? If talking about even your like inner child in your head is still a little too close to home for you and you notice um, it's still like you're, you're not able to be objective about it, I want you to practice just this is a thought experiment. This is a little experiment for your brain. I want you to just practice envisioning uh, another kid in your life who you know or who you admire or even like a kid on like a TV show who you think is like that kid is hilarious. That kid is just so much fun. I want to hang out with that kid. Envisioning that kid that's like roughly around the same age that you were in that instance and envisioning what would I do if they came to me with this problem or like they told me about this story, what would I say to them? And practice showing up for that kid through the lens of a trustworthy mama bear parent and practicing taking that advice for yourself. 
I really love saying this stuff to myself in the mirror. There's something about like making eye contact with myself and not looking at myself in the mirror through a vanity perspective, but like, like, hey, I'm talking to you. Like really making eye contact with myself in these moments when I kind of have these pep talks with myself. Something happens, you guys. It's it's really beautiful and really, really powerful to be able to speak to yourself in this way. And lastly, oh, there was another point that I wanted to make around this. Yeah, I was just going to say again, this is a process and do not burn yourself out from it. Um, if anybody is has any questions about this like reparenting technique when it comes to better beliefs about your body and your brain, go ahead and comment below if there's any questions or any obstacles that you're facing or if you're like having a hard time getting into the perspective of that trustworthy parent. I noticed that that's actually simpler for people than they would initially think. But if you're having a hard time with it, go ahead and comment below and um, I'll I'll reach out with some support. I'm here and I'm happy to support you. I was excited to talk about this theme today because it's pretty parallel with the concept of like rewriting your story. And I feel so excited that in just a couple weeks on September 27th, we have a Body I Love You workshop that we're putting on that's literally called Rewrite Your Body Story. We're going to get to the origins of like where your body story comes from. So like how you currently feel about your body and how we got here. And we're going to teach you the possibility of what it would be like to rewrite that story through the lens of you being the intentional loving author. Like what story would you rather write for yourself? And no, this is not going to be like a toxic positivity of like, you should just pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> We're not going to do that at all. Um, all of your experiences are so valid and all of the emotions that you have from those experiences are so valid. The conversation here is how can we move forward in a more empowered place and have more grace for ourselves and for our origin stories, whatever that may be, and really truly generating a story that feels good and like a release and like a, oh, thank God I can feel that way now. That feels so incredible. That is what healing body image can feel like. So this workshop is $44. It's a 90 minute workshop hosted by myself and Leah Horton, who is Body I Love You's resident anti-diet culture coach. And it's going to be at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So again, that's September 27th, Rewrite Your Body Story. If you are interested in attending, please comment below and I will send you the registration link. If you're a Body I Love You alumni and you want to attend, please comment below and I'll send you the link as well as your 50% off discount code specifically for Body I Love You alumni. We are so excited for this workshop. It is going to be incredible. We also have our final round of our six-week Body I Love You course. Um, when I say final round, I mean final for the year of 2023. And that is launching on October 11th. So if anybody is interested in just hopping in to our Body I Love You course because you are ready to just try something different because all the things that you've tried, it just feels like a hamster wheel that you just are having a hard time getting off and you want to try something different in order to create something different, comment below and I will send you the link to get on our wait list for that group. 
Thank you guys so much for being here with me today. Also, if you have any like wins around reparenting that you're practicing with yourself of like anything cool that you've said to yourself or done to yourself through that lens of being a trustworthy parent, please comment below. I love hearing those wins. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining me today. I will see you next time.